Many atheists today assert that science is the only way to know truth. In other words, truth can only be found through the use of our five senses. According to Richard Dawkins, atheist, in his book, The God Delusion, Darwin made God obsolete. In other words, everything can now be explained through naturalistic causes. There is no need for believing in the supernatural or any type of creator God. Welcome to Creation Training Initiative Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and I'm the president of Creation Training Initiative, and we offer training courses to help others to be able to speak and teach about biblical creation and apologetics. Now, for many years, the public education system has been controlled by the teaching of what we call materialism. Again, the idea that all that exists is mass and energy. We see this in the following quote. The materialistic worldview has so widely infiltrated the natural sciences that not only has it become the ruling paradigm, but it is also the only view that is allowed. Any view other than one based on materialism is automatically rejected regardless of the amount of evidence that supports it. In other words, in our public education system today, only one worldview is allowed, and that is the worldview of atheism, regardless of how much evidence goes against it. Now, so far in our series on evidence for the existence of God, we have covered the first three evidences. Number one being cosmological evidence. In other words, this universe could not be here without a creator God. Number two, we covered the evidence from design, the incredible complexity and design in all life that far surpasses anything mankind can do. And third, we covered the evidence from moral absolutes, that yes, absolute rights and wrongs do exist. Now in this session, we're gonna cover evidence number four, evidence from the existence of non-material entities. Now what do we mean by a non-material entity? Well, matter, let's take matter for example. It involves mass energy, which means it can be measured or it can be weighed. On the other hand, non-material entities would be massless. In other words, they have no mass, meaning they have no weight and cannot be measured. So there's a clear distinction between what we call material and non-material things. Well, let's start now with defining what we mean by the worldview of materialism. Materialism is the assumption that all that does exist is mass and energy, meaning there are no supernatural forces, nothing exists that is non-material, meaning there is no God. That is the worldview of materialism. Now, David Noble, the president of Summit Ministries, makes this statement. In fact, secular humanism, or materialism, is the dominant worldview in our secular colleges and universities. It has also made gains in many Christian colleges and universities. Humanists recognize the classroom as a powerful context for indoctrination. Did you get what he just said there? Materialism is not only being taught in our secular universities, all that exists is mass and energy, there is no creator God or any supernatural forces, but it is also being taught in some forms in our Christian universities 
and colleges. And it's also being taught from the pulpits of many churches in this country. Now, materialism is the foundation for what we call secular humanism. It is also the foundation for atheism, and it is also the foundation for evolutionism. Now, the late Carl Sagan, atheist, made this statement. The cosmos is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. In other words, that is the philosophy of materialism right there. There are no supernatural forces, no creator God of any kind. All that exists is mass and energy. Now, the atheists feel so strong about this worldview of materialism that they have made a challenge. And this challenge comes from the late Madeline Murray O'Hare, the founder of American Atheist, and also she was responsible for having Bibles removed from the public education system. And her challenge is this. We atheists try to find some basis of rational thinking which we can base our actions and our beliefs, and we have it. We accept, we accept the technical philosophy of materialism. It is a valid philosophy which cannot be discredited. Essentially, materialism philosophy holds that nothing exists but natural phenomena. There are no supernatural forces, no supernatural entities such as gods or heavens or hells or life after death. In other words, this challenge by the materialist or the atheist is that the church cannot defend against the philosophy of materialism. In other words, they believe the church cannot prove the existence of God. And they also challenge that since materialism is true, evolutionism must also be true. But what if we could prove this assumption of materialism is false? What if we could show through empirical science that non-material entities, in fact, do exist? In other words, something more than just mass and energy. In this session, we will demonstrate that the universe is made up of more than just mass and energy. We will show that non-material entities do exist and that there must be a creator God. Now, in order to show this, in order to demonstrate this, we're going to focus on something that we are all very familiar with, and that is something called information. It is part of our everyday life. It is also the key to understanding all of Darwinian evolution. In other words, for Darwinian evolution to occur, new genetic information must be added every step of the way. In other words, in order for a fish to grow legs, new information must be encoded in its DNA. In other words, a new set of instructions must be added to that creature's DNA so that it can have a set of instructions to start growing legs. For a reptile to grow feathers, new genetic information must be encoded in that creature's DNA, instructions to know how to formulate and create and grow feathers. For an ape-like creature to evolve into a human being, new genetic information must be encoded into that creature's DNA. In other words, this new information must be added to, must be added, or change the old information. 
mothers, we must have new instructions for legs to grow, for feathers to grow, or for an ape-like creature to gain human characteristics. In other words, information is the key for Darwinian evolution. Now, to help us understand this information <clears throat> and how it shows there must be a creator God, we're going to go through what I call six facts about information. Six facts about information. And these six facts are, number one, where is information used? Two, what is information? Three, how is information transmitted? Four, information is the key to life. And five, where does information come from? And six, scientific laws and information. So we'll go through all six of those. So let's start with fact number one. Where is information used? Now, information is vital to a nation's economy. We use it every day. We use it in computer technology. <clears throat> we use it in marketing, research, education, sports, and we find it in all living things. So information is everywhere around us. Carl Sagan, again, the atheist, stated this. The information content of a simple cell has been established as around 10 raised to the 12th power bits, comparable to about 100 million pages of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, 10 to the 12th power is one followed by 12 zeros. That is an incredible amount of information. So how can you call any cell with that, information, that much information in it a simple cell? There is no such thing, ladies and gentlemen, called a simple cell. Because one cell is more complex than any machine mankind has ever made. Now, let's go to fact number two. What is information? Now, there are many definitions about information. You find them in, in books. You find them, might find them in biology books. You might find it in dictionaries. But all these definitions only apply to one particular component, or one particular area of technology. But there is one definition that works in all technological systems and in all biological systems, only one. And because this is the only definition of information that works everywhere, it is referred to as universal information. Now let's go through the definition of universal information. Now, I'm going to read this definition off, and it's somewhat technical, but then what I'd like to do is take it apart to help simplify what we mean by universal information. And the definition is this. Universal information is a symbolically encoded, abstract, represented message conveying the expected actions and the intended purpose. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's take this definition apart into its basic components or attributes that clearly define information. And the four components or attributes of information, universal information, are this. Number one, it must have a code. Number two, it must have meaning. Number three, it must have an expected action. And number four, it must have an intended purpose. Now, what do each of these mean? Number one, universal information must have a code. Well, we use codes all day, one all the time. One of them is called our English alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F. What we mean by that is we have symbols, 
and the symbols can be arranged in specific order to convey information. In other words, there's syntax involved in putting these letters together, such as punctuation. So we must have a code. There's many codes around the world, many different languages. Even computers work with codes. Secondly, there must be meaning. For example, if I were to use the word star, now the word star is not the real thing, but it represents the real thing. In other words, it gives us meaning. It means something real. If I were to say the word chair, the word chair is not the real thing, but it represents or means the real thing, chair. So we have to have a code. We must have meaning. Third, there must be an expected action to take place. And fourth, there must be an intended purpose that is going to happen. Let's go through an example. How about this statement? Go to the grocery store and buy chocolate chips. Well, is there a code there? Yes, it is called the English alphabet. There's symbols and syntax involved there. Is there meaning? Yes, there's meaning. The word grocery store is not the real thing, but it represents or means a real store. Chocolate chips, the word chocolate chips are not the real thing. You can't eat the words chocolate chips but they represent or mean something real. So we have a code, we have a meaning in that statement. But is there an expected action? Yes, there is. The expected action is you, someone will go to the grocery store and buy chocolate chips. Whether that ever happens is not relevant, but there is an expected action there. And is there an intended purpose? Yes, there is. The intended purpose is you're going to make something with those chocolate chips such as cookies. Even DNA is made up of universal information. It has a code. It has four letters in it that make up words and there's a syntax. Is there meaning? Yes, there's meaning. In other words, in, that, in the DNA there's a code and the code, those letters make up words and those words represent real amino acids. So we're going to go out and get these and bring these amino acids in. So there's a code, there's a meaning. Is there expected action? Yes. The expected action is we're going to get those amino acids and build proteins. But is there an intended purpose? Yes, there is. The intended purpose is called life. So DNA is universal information. Now let's go back and remember the challenge from the atheists, and that is that the church cannot defend against the worldview of materialism. In other words, all that exists is mass and energy. In this session, we're going to take on that challenge and prove the worldview of materialism is false. Now George Williams, who has a PhD in biology, makes this statement. Information doesn't have mass or charge or length. Did you get what he just said there? You cannot weigh it and you cannot measure it. He just stated information is non-material. Hubert Yaki, PhD, scientist and an evolutionist makes this statement. The genetic information system is the software of life. Like the symbols in a computer, it is purely symbolic and independent of its environment. He's telling us there information is non-material. Now in the book Without Excuse, the authors make this statement. 
Universal information is a non-material fundamental entity. So over and over again, the scientists do recognize information is non-material. Now we can demonstrate this through some practical examples that information is non-material. For example, if we were to take a modern DVD and weigh it, then we take that same DVD and we write many documents on it, we put on many graphics and pictures on it and weigh it again, it would weigh exactly the same. As we put that vast amount of information in that DNA and it did not change the weight of that DVD. Why? Because information is non-material. Now also in the book, Without Excuse, the authors make this statement. The fact that in all observable phenomena, Information needs a material medium to store and transmit it does not make it a material entity. For instance, if one deletes a program from a computer, the mass of the computer remains completely unchanged. Why? Because information has no mass. You can't measure it and you can't weigh it. In other words, information again has no mass, no length, no electrical current, and no temperature. This fact means the whole worldview of materialism is false. In other words, we can prove non-material entities do exist. So what is happening in our public education system then? It sounds more like indoctrination. They are teaching a worldview called atheism, secular humanism, regardless of the evidence that does exist to go against it. In other words, we have abandoned education in many areas of our public education system and only promote secular humanism. Now let's go to fact number three about information. How is it transmitted? Now it can be transmitted in many different ways. For example, the sentence, sentence, in the beginning God created, can be sent using many different media, such as radio waves. We can use our voice communication, written text in a book, computers, symbols written in sand, different languages. We can even use smoke signals. In other words, we can transmit information using many different media, but the that means information is not part of the medium we're sending. Information can also be stored in many different media, but it is still the same information. We can store it in written books. We can store it in computers, and we can even store it in sand. In other words, the information is independent of what it is being stored in and how it is transmitted. In other words, information is non-material, but it needs something material to hold it and to transmit it. Let's go to fact number four about information, and that is information is the key to life. Scientist and creationist Dr. Werner Gitt issues this challenge to the evolutionist and he states, anyone who wants to make meaningful statements about the origin of life would be forced to explain how the information originated. That is a very powerful challenge. In other words, if you're going to talk about the origin of life, you teachers out there, if you're going to talk about the origin of life in the classroom, and you're going to make this a meaningful statement, you must be able to explain through observable science 
how that information got there. And then it goes on to make this statement. However, purely random processes cannot create information. They only degrade or destroy information. Wow! Purely naturalistic processes have never been demonstrated to create new information. Donald Johnson, who has a PhD in chemistry and a second PhD in information systems, states this. Since there is no known scientific procedure to generate life in the laboratory, let alone in some unknown prebiotic mechanism, one, can, one could assume the probability of life from purely physical causes is zero. In other words, the standard answer we get to the origin of biological information is that mutations and selection have created all the biological information. But as we will see, this claim is not based on any known science. John Sanford, who has a PhD in genetics, makes this statement. Yet I am still not convinced there is a single crystal clear example of a known mutation which unambiguously created information. He further goes on to state, everything about the true distribution of mutations argues against mutations leading to a net gain in information as needed for forward evolution. And then Lee Spetner, PhD in physics, states, in all the reading I've done in the life sciences literature, I've never found a mutation that added information. And then he further states, all point mutations that have been studied on the molecular level turn out to reduce the genetic information and not increase it. Donald Johnson again, PhD, science, states, those who assist on purely physical causes of life are thus in an untenable position when it comes to known science. Not only can they not prove that it's possible for life to come about by physical interactions of nature, but the information content in life precludes that possibility. Now, the fascinating thing about information is it is the key to understanding what makes life different from non-life. It is basically the Achilles heel of evolutionists and all materialists. Now, how do evolutionists tell us information got here? Purely naturalistic causes. Folks, that is what they're teaching in the public education system. And as we have seen, the scientists know that is not true. Now, how much information is in living systems? Well, let's go to Bill Gates, the founder and former CEO of Microsoft. Bill Gates makes this statement. Human DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software we have ever created. Now, if we were to take all the DNA in our bodies and stretch it out, uncoil it and stretch it out, and line it all up end to end, that would be 31 billion miles long. That would extend beyond our solar system. That is an incredible amount of information in our bodies. Where did all this incredible amount of information come from? And that leads us into fact number five about information. Where does information come from? Now, in the book, Without excuse, the authors, scientists, make this statement. 
The fact is, no empirical research has ever shown that matter left to itself is capable of creating universal information. So they're making this statement, matter by itself cannot create information. Again, John Sanford, PhD in genetics states, information theory clearly indicates that information and information systems arise only through intelligent means and are only preserved by intelligence. Don, Donald Johnson again states this, that DNA can mutate to modify information is a fact. That such mutation can produce a net gain information has yet to be demonstrated. Then he goes on to make this statement. There is no known physical mechanism for producing any increase in information. Wow. Let's take one more. David Abel, PhD in science and also director of the Gene Emergent Project states, we are hard pressed to provide empirical evidence, rational justification, or references showing how programming can be accomplished without intentional choices of mind. It is only one's materialistic metaphysical commitments that make this fact difficult to acknowledge. In other words, in our public education system, we're going against known science. Why? Because our public education system has a commitment to materialism, not good science. Now, in the book, again, without excuse, the scientists state, when proponents of materialism address the question of the origin of information, they invariably do so by invoking mechanisms that have no observable basis. Now, if information cannot come from purely naturalistic processes, then it can only come from an intelligent source. This leads us to the most critical question. Where did the original information in our DNA come from? The only possible answer is an all-powerful, all-knowing Creator God. And this leads us now to fact six about information. Scientific laws and information. Now, what is a scientific law? A scientific law is a precise statement of a fact or process that has been identified through observation and experimentation, repeatedly verified, and most importantly, never refuted. Now, there are scientific laws about life. One of those laws is called the law of biogenesis. That is the law that life only comes from prior life. There are no known exceptions to this. Donald Johnson, in his book, Programming of Life, states, as far as science knows, the law of biogenesis, life only comes from life, is still valid. But ladies and gentlemen, you know what they're teaching in our biology classes in public schools today? That life arose from non-life. That is not science. That is faith. No, it's what they're telling our youth in our, in our biology classrooms is that the laws of science have been overthrown and only evolutionism is true. We are in great trouble in our public education systems today. Why? Because we have abandoned the teaching of science in many areas, especially in the area of origins. There are also laws about matter. There's the laws about gravity, the laws about thermodynamics and the laws about electricity. There are also laws about 
information, scientific laws about information. Let me go through some of these laws about information, and they are found in the book without excuse. Scientific law information one. Universal information is a non-material fundamental entity. That is a scientific law, and what is a scientific law? It's done through observation, experimentation, and there are no known exceptions. So information is a non-material fundamental entity. Scientific law too about information. A purely material entity cannot create a non-material entity. In other words, something material cannot create something non-material. That has never ever been observed to happen. Scientific law three, universal information cannot be created by purely random processes. Why is that a scientific law? Because it's never been observed to happen. Scientific law four about information. Universal information can only be created by an intelligent center. And there's a corollary to scientific law number four, and it states this. All senders that create universal information have a non-material component. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? As human beings, we can create information. And since something material cannot create something non-material, that means, as humans, we must have a non-material component to us. It is called our soul. Now, as you've heard, an ongoing problem for evolutionists is information. Why is this? Because information is non-material, and the presence of information in this universe is undeniable. In short, information demands an information giver. The question we need to ask the evolutionists is this, a very important question. And all our students should have this question down. Can you show me any observational evidence for that vast amount of information our DNA came from that does not require me to use faith? Let me repeat that. Important question. Can you show me any observational evidence for that vast amount of information our DNA came from that does not require me to use faith? The only answer we're getting in our education system, the only answer we're getting from the atheist is this. Over millions and millions of years, mutation through mutations and selection, all that information came about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a scientific answer. It is an answer based on faith. Why? because no one has ever observed millions of years and no one has ever observed mutations adding new functional genetic information to the DNA. So the evolutionists, the materialists, are not doing science. Now based on what we have shown here, we are now ready for what I call four powerful conclusions about information. Conclusion number one. Since DNA is an information code and the density and complexity of the information in DNA is magnitudes greater than present human capability and information requires an intelligent sender, we can conclude the originator or sender of the information DNA must be highly intelligent. Conclusion number two. Since information is non-material and something material cannot create something non-material, 
and information is a DNA code, we can conclude the originator or sender of the information in DNA has a non-material component. Conclusion number three. Since materialism is the doctrine that matter, mass and energy, is all that exists, and since information is non-material, we can conclude the doctrine of materialism is false. And then conclusion number four. Since information is non-material and information requires an intelligent sender, and the information in DNA vastly exceeds anything mankind has done, we can conclude there must be a creator who is non-material and highly intelligent. Now let's conclude with what that creator has told us in his word. And we see this in Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. We also see this in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And we see this also in Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you, and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear.